0: This week, we are once again picking up the threads uh, from our sermon series on the farewell discourse of Christ Jesus. In this series, we are preaching through John chapters 13 all the way through 17, where the very last things that Jesus taught his disciples before he was crucified are recorded. For us, uh, we are in the ninth week of the series, and if you missed any of the earlier sermons, you can find it online on YouTube. And today we're going to be looking at John chapter 15, verses 12 to 17. It'll come up for us on screen, and I'll read it for us. John chapter 15, verses 12 to 17. This is my commandment, Jesus said, that you love one another as I have loved you. A greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, Jesus said, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, it may be given to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. This is the word of the Lord. A couple of weeks ago, we had preached uh, two sermons on the first part of John chapter 15. We looked at uh, what it means to remain in Jesus, the true wine. We saw that we will be fruitful if and only if we remain in Christ. Apart from him, we can do nothing. We saw that the branches that bear fruit, God prunes so that we may become even more fruitful. And we saw that the goal of this is joy. We also saw what happens to the branches that do not remain in Jesus, the true wine. And today's passage is a continuation, actually, of the earlier passage on Jesus, the true wine. If each of us are connected to Jesus, the true wine, then through our connection with Christ, we are also connected with one another and that's why in verse 12 jesus says love one another as i have loved you this is really the the central theme of this passage jesus does not merely say love one another and this is ordinary love that to some degree or the other all human beings believers or otherwise show to one another Jesus qualifies the love we are to have. He says, we are to love one another as Christ loved us. This is gospel love. In our culture, the word love is um, its very vague. It's very ambiguous. Uh, but the love that Christ is calling us is not ambiguous at all the love that Christ is calling us to is very specific. We are to love one another as He loves us. And so through this sermon, I'm going to use the phrase gospel love to differentiate between the ordinary love that almost everyone in the world show to one another and the higher love that you and I as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Christ, are called To show one another. And I'm going to draw three things for us from this passage. The call and commands to gospel love. The true nature of gospel love. And the power to grow in gospel love. So three things. The call and commands to gospel love. The true nature of gospel love. And the power to grow in gospel love. Let's start with the first thing, the call and command to grow, to to gospel love, the call and command to gospel love. It's extremely interesting here that Jesus is calling us to love one another as a command. Not only that, Jesus begins and ends this passage with the same command, first in verse 12 and then in verse 17, this is my commandment, Jesus said that you love one another as I have loved you. When Jesus repeats a command twice in five sentences, I think we would do well to sit up and and take note and give it the attention that it deserves. And that's what we're going to be doing today. As I said earlier, John chapter 15 is one composite unit. Uh, At the beginning of this chapter, Jesus told his disciples that if we remain in him we will bear much fruit. But what exactly does this fruit mean? And Jesus is answering the question himself in today's passage. Loving one another as Christ loved us is part of the fruit that we bear if we remain in Christ. In fact, we could say that loving one another as Christ loved us is kind of like the first fruits of our discipleship. When we come to faith in Jesus, when we start abiding in Him, remaining in Him, one of the first things that begins to start happening to us is that we start developing a genuine love for one another. Authentic and Christ-glorifying fellowship becomes a, a joyful part of, of the believer's lifestyle. And so loving one another as Christ loved us. Is really the first step. In our growth and maturity. In Christ. And this is not surprising at all. Because we all realize. That sin makes us selfish. Sin makes us self-centered. And if sin makes us self-centered. Christ makes us other centered he Im- inspires us and he empowers us to love others as he loved us so gospel love is really the first fruit of our discipleship but this has significant implications this means that at the very least our baseline love our minimum threshold of love for one another uh, in the community in the local church Has to be significantly greater than the love that people in other non-Christ communities have for each other. You know, in God's common grace, all communities, people in all communities love one another. Love for one another is not an exceptional Christian quality. It is common grace given to all people, Christian or otherwise. But in the community of Christ, brothers and sisters in Christ, our love for one another must be as Christ loved us. And if you remember, Jesus had talked about this earlier as well in the farewell discourse. We looked at it in one of our earlier sermons from John chapter 13, verses 34 to 35. A new commandment I give to you, Jesus said, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so our love for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ must be greater than the love for one another that is seen in every other community. Because Jesus says, by your love for one another, the world will know that we are his disciples. Let me, let me try and unpack this. If you're a school or a college student, uh, think of your closest friends in college. And this is a community. From what I remember from my college days, this community was a lot of fun, right? This is, we're moving into adulthood, and this is the first time, you know, we're really having uh, adult friendships, adult communities with with one another. And so this is a really cool, a really fun and a really close community with our friends in college, for example. But your love for brothers and sisters in Christ, in the church, should be greater than the love for one another seen in the community of college friends. That's one way to look at it. Apart from the biological family... The local church must be our central love community. Please don't hear me wrong. And for the tweeting types, don't tweet me wrong. I'm not saying we can't have explorer friends. I hope we all have many, many, many dear friends who are explorers. I'm still great friends with someone I went to college with almost 30 years ago. I hope we hang out with them a lot. I hope we grow in our friendship with them. But that, for true disciples of Christ, cannot be our primary love community. And that brings us to the second thing I want to consider. I want to invite us to consider from this passage. The true nature of gospel love. The true nature of gospel love. And there are two ways, there are many ways, but I want to focus on two. Uh, There are two ways that gospel love among believers is distinct and superior to the ordinary love that we see in the culture around us. Two reasons, two ways. First, gospel love is non-judgmental, but it is not untruthful. And second, gospel love is non-hierarchical. I want to unpack both. Let's look at the first thing. Gospel love is unconditional and non-judgmental, but it is not untruthful. One of the values uh, that New City celebrates as a church is that we are non-judgmental. We're not perfectly non-judgmental. We are mostly non-judgmental. I'd like to believe that. Uh, Over the years... Uh, so many people, quite a few number of you have, have come and told me and, and others that one of the things you really appreciate about New City is that we are non-judgmental. And that's really important for our culture as a church. And having celebrated that, I do need to tell you something. The city around us is a hundred times more non-judgmental than our church. True, isn't it? And so, what's the big deal about us being non judgmental when the city around us is a hundred times more non more judgmental than us? You see, there, there is a difference. The city around us, the culture around us, doesn't really care what you do as long as you don't harm anyone. Mumbai as a city is very open, it's very broad minded. You can mostly be whatever you want to be. You can mostly do whatever you want to do. The city will not judge you. And this kind of a non-judgmental response is not love. It is apathy. It is indifference. So merely being non-judgmental is not love. So let me... Let me just move from the city at a broad level and get this down really specific. Let's talk about all of our dear, dear friends outside of the church. Unlike the city, your explorer friends, friends who are not followers of Jesus, they're not indifferent to you. Of course, they love you. And of course, they will never judge you. Your friends in college will not judge you if you smoke up or date a non-Christian or, or sleep around. They will not judge you. Your colleagues at work will not judge you if you cut corners uh, to close a deal or to finish a project. Everybody does that in the culture around us. And so such closely knit non-gospel communities are not indifferent. They do love each other, but they are also often Not truthful to one another. What makes gospel love. What makes gospel community. What makes the non-judgmental culture. In a church. What makes this distinct. And refreshing. And radical. And powerful. Is that Christian love. Gospel love. Is non-judgmental. And it speaks the truth in love. Always. Both. Together. We are non-judgmental. But we are not untruthful. We will speak. We should speak the truth to one another in love. This is true gospel love. If one of you are, is, for example, is drifting away from Christ. Distracted by work or, or with, with a hobby or, or something else. Or if you're just distracted with the indulgences of the world or the anxieties and the worries of the world. And if you're just drifting away, you're getting disinterested in Christ, you're getting disinterested in the church. We will not judge you or condemn you. We will not make you feel guilty. The church will not make you feel guilty. When I say the church, I mean one another, each other. We are the church. The church will not make you m- make you feel guilty and ashamed. We are non-judgmental in that sense, but we will lovingly encourage you, we will lovingly encourage one another to remember that only Christ is worthy more than all of these things. We will lovingly walk with one another to help us remember that nothing in our lives is more important than Jesus. And so gospel love and gospel community is unconditional and non-judgmental. But in gospel community, we must always speak the truth to one another in love and gentleness. I'm going to be speaking uh, quite frankly here. I guess that's why I need a sip of water. You know, this is an area that many of us in New City we really need to grow in. You know, over the last year, year and a half, as we've grown as a church, a and I, we've seen a lot of friendships growing. Uh, we've seen people connect with each other in, in wonderful ways. We've seen people hang out with each other. Very natural, unplanned, spontaneous, coming together as, friend, as friends, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Meeting in people's homes, going out for meals together. And this brings us great joy. We, we rejoice in this. We want to see more and more of this happen. But I have to say that while we have definitely grown in this, we are not yet seeing enough of speaking the truth to one another in love. Yes, we are hanging out a lot together, but we are not speaking the truth in love to one another enough. Listen, if you've hung out with someone 10, 15, 20 times, you've gone for countless meals with them, and you have not yet offered even one word of gentle correction, or exhortation, or truth-telling, we do have a lot to grow in true gospel love. And this works the other way too. Uh, Some of us, we really like to hang out. We like to be around our brothers and sisters in Christ. But if someone corrects us in truth and in love, we tend to shut that person off. We kind of withdraw. We feel that this person has kind of crossed a limit. It's my life. They they don't have permission to, to come in. And the opposite of that is also true. True gospel love is not only about correcting others in love true gospel love is also about receiving correction from one another humbly and so this morning i really want do want to urge you as your pastor would you reflect on this are you someone who will speak the truth in love are you and, and will you receive the truth spoken to you in love will you speak the truth in love to others and will you receive the truth spoken to you in love and that's what we mean when we say the church gospel love is non-judgmental but it is not untruthful the second way gospel love is very distinct from the love that we see in communities everywhere in the world is that gospel love is non-hierarchical what do i mean by this In every community, there is always a hierarchy on the basis of which people are loved. In a city like Mumbai, more successful people are loved more than less successful people. It's obvious, you can see this all around us. In colleges and campuses, more cool students are loved more than less cool students. And this apart, in in every community, uh, there is always some level of jockeying among individuals uh, to occupy higher positions of power or status or love. Ordinary love in communities outside of the church almost always involves some level of below-the-surface competition among its members. The gospel community should be different, but sadly, we are not exempt from this. If you remember, there's at least one occasion where even the disciples of Christ uh, had an argument as to who among them is, is, is the greatest. But Jesus healed this by reminding them that even though he was God himself, he came down as a servant. And so this command of Christ, love one another as he has loved us, is a call to non-hierarchical love. Non-hierarchical hierarchical love means that we love one another equally and our love for one another is not based on our accomplishments or on the things we have done or on the things uh, we have not done. There has to be an equal love. I'm not saying we, can, we all have to spend the equal amount of time with each other. That's not what I'm saying, but, but you get the gist of what I'm saying. In our minds, we cannot classify people in hierarchies in the way that we love them, especially in the local church with brothers and sisters in, in, in Christ. And this is where gospel love is so distinct from the love that every community in the world has for one another. If you go to a club, there's love among them. If you go to any community, there's quite obviously love among them. But the love that we have for one another in the church, as brothers and sisters in Christ, must be significantly better. Listen, even as we talk about non-hierarchical love, if any of you in New City feel that you have not been loved equally, And that's very possible. That's very true in every church. The first thing I want to say is we're truly sorry you feel that way. And I'm sure that some of us here in New City, some of us right here, right now, I'm sure you feel less loved. We're not a perfect church. We We will remain imperfect till Christ comes again. And so I'm sure there are people right here among you today who feel that you're less loved in New City. So I am truly sorry, we are truly sorry if you feel you're loved less in New City. And I hope that will change as we grow and mature together in Christ Jesus. But I must also point something else here. Love in a gospel community is not a one way street. Love in a gospel community is a two-way street. The command of Christ here is to love one another. Jesus is not commanding us, be loved by others. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, be loved by others. What Jesus is saying is love one another. Gospel love is a two-way street. That means our expectation of being loved by others must be equally matched by our willingness to love others sacrificially. If we miss this one another aspect of love, we will never feel adequately loved in any community, in any church. All that said, loving one another as Christ loved us, is a high calling. Humanly speaking, this is a difficult calling. Humanly, I would even say, this is an impossible calling. And this brings us to the third and the last thing I wanted to draw for us from this passage. The power to grow in gospel love. The power to grow in gospel love. Two times. First at the beginning of this passage, and then at the end of it, Jesus is commanding us to love one another. You know, this can be a little disconcerting at two levels. When Jesus commands us, he orders us to love one another. And this this should kind of make us wonder at two levels. First, love should flow from our heart, right? How can someone order us to love? You you can't really force anyone to love others. It has to come from the heart. So why is Jesus then commanding others? Second, Jesus in the new, New Testament is all about faith and grace, right? So isn't a command like this moving away from grace? If this is a command, love one another as Christ loved us. If this is a command doesn't it become just like any other Old Testament command which which we can never fulfill by ourselves in our own strength? Both of these may be confusing, but if you really understand what Jesus is telling us in this passage, it's not confusing at all. It's quite beautiful. In verse 12, I'm just going to walk us through that part of the passage. In verse 12, Jesus is giving us this command and then in verses 13 to 15, Jesus is showing us the power to live out this command to love one another. Verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have, I have loved you. That's the commandment. And next, Jesus is showing us the power to live out this command. Verse 13 onwards, greater love has no one than this, that someone should lay his life down for his friends. You are my friends, Jesus said, if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servants do not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from you, my father, I have made known to you. This is simple and it is beautiful. Let me summarize in one sentence what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, obey my commandments, not because you are my servants, but because You are my friends. Obey my command to love one another, not because you are my servants, but because you are my friends. Jesus is not calling us to a fear driven command keeping as servants. Instead, Jesus is calling us to love inspired, joyful command living, joyful living, and not as a command. Jesus is not calling us to command keeping as servants. Jesus is calling us to joyful command living as his friends. This is not about obeying the law. This is about loving Christ our Savior, and out of that love and faith, being empowered to obey every command. And so the power to love one another as Christ loved us comes from our friendship with Jesus. John 15 verse 5 If we remain in Christ we will bear much fruit. Apart from him we can do nothing. This remaining in Christ is really talking about our friendship with Christ. And verse 13 Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Christ laid down his life for us so that we could be friends with him. As I look back at uh, all the years of my life, as I look back, I'm able to see that all my life, I have been striving to make friends. As a child, you know, five, six years old, I very distinctly remember trying very hard to become friends with the strongest boys in class because I was really weak as as a child, not strong at all. In high school, I remember trying very hard to become friends with with the pretty girls and the cool guys in class. In college, I remember really working hard to become friends with that one guy in the entire college who drove a swank car to college every day. In my early days as a journalist, I remember trying very hard to become friends with other journalists who asked the best questions at press conferences. As I grew in my career, I worked really, really hard to become friends with some of the best editors in the country and abroad. And as I transitioned into ministry, I began to see myself wanting and working hard to become friends with the most gifted preachers and the most successful Pastors, in all my life, 50 years, I have almost always only looked for friends who are better than me. All my life, I have never worked hard to become friends with people whom I thought were lower than me. If I have to confess, honestly, I can't think of a single person who I thought was inferior to me that I worked really hard to be friends with. I'd like to believe that I'm not an exception here. When we want to make friends, we only look above us. But Christ looked below him to make us his friends. Not that Jesus needed friends. Not that Jesus was, something was missing in his heart. That he needed our friendship. Not at all. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are an eternal community. Absolutely satisfied. Absolutely fulfilled in themselves. They have no need for us. And yet, Christ looked looked at wretched, sinful beings like us. And he desired to be friends with us But this friendship wasn't easy. We are tainted with sin. And so Christ had to die on the cross. Bearing the punishment for our sins. And he died so that we would be washed clean. And in his resurrection from the dead. He rose again from the dead. And embraced us in an eternal friendship with him. We strive to find friends above us in stature. Christ gave up his life to find friends infinitely below him in standing. It is in and only through Christ's friendship with us that we can find the power and the strength and the perseverance to keep growing in loving one another as Christ loved us. Let us pray. Father, we feel so inadequate this morning and um, yeah. Holy Spirit, we pray, would you would you convict us Lord? every one of us, myself first, on how self-preoccupied we have been. At how little intentionality that we have shown in loving one another in truth and in love. And yet you love us, Lord. And yet you do not reject us. Yet you do not condemn us. Yet you are not angry with us. Yet you are not disappointed with us. Yet you do not turn your face from us. You love us just the same with the steadfast love of the Lord. And so this morning we pray, would you help us, Lord, grow in our love for one another, that truly, 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 that the world around us, that explorers, even who are explorers who are part of New City today and other days, may they also see our love for one another. And may they know that we are disciples of Jesus. And in seeing that, may they too be drawn to Christ himself. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.